Alrighty, welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a course from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Thank you for hanging out, episode 50, you know, I'm pretty excited and I'm stoked that you're, you know, you're here for the ride, Um, if you are here for the ride. If it's your first time, thanks for checking it out. If it's your 50th time, thank you very much. It's always appreciated. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad you're turning up each and every fortnight at the moment to kind of have a chat and ha- well, listen to me have a chat. Actually, would be a better way to put it. So first off, my age podcast, proudly members of the Podbelly Network. What is the Podbelly Network? It's a bunch of podcasts that um, you know, it's a network of podcasts, as the kind of name suggests. Um, all from, you know, a whole bunch of different kind of angles from a whole bunch of different places all around the world, um, that kind of banded together, you know, strength in numbers and all that kind of thing. Um, we have, you know, there's Star Wars podcast, there's murder, you know, murder mystery podcast, there's supernatural podcast, there's just shit talking podcast, movie podcast, anything you could imagine. There's a podcast, a really good podcast that's part of the network and I'm also part of it. So that's, you know, that's a nice thing. Now, for the first, we've got a promo going this month. So what I want, let me, let me give you a rundown of how it works. The promo is called, May the Pork Be With You, because, you know, Podbelly, Potbelly Pig, Kevin Bacon is our little logo. Um, That's the name of the little pig in the corner of the icon that you can see on your screen or on your, whatever you're looking at at the moment, um, on your phone or whatever. Um... We're giving away a whole bunch of stickers, um, you know, free shipping worldwide um, that we're running for, yeah, that we're giving away for free for the month of May because, you know, something to do with Star Wars. I don't know what it is. I've never seen Star Wars before, but I'm sure there's a sweet pun in there somewhere. No, I'm joking. I know exactly what it's about. So basically, what you need to do is head over to, and I'll post the link as well, but head over to podbelly.com slash shop. And in the discount code, you want to type all one word, Kevin the Pig. And you will get a sticker sent to you, just for the just for the love of it. Um, there's a whole bunch of other cool shit there you can ch- check out. There's a whole bunch of, you know, information on if you want to start your own podcast, because fuck, everybody's doing it now, and you may as well, as, you may as well do one, because you've got the time. Because everybody's got the time. Yeah, if you're interested in starting a podcast, feel free to, you know, go over to the, the Podbelly Network, podbelly.com. And you'll find a whole bunch of, you know, besides the actual podcast on the network, you'll find a whole bunch of information on how to start a podcast, how to get on iTunes, what mics to buy, what gear to have, all that kind of jazz. Um, and then eventually, you know, hopefully if you do it yourself, you'll get to episode 50. Let me tell you about episode 50. I remember when I was doing episode 20-ish, and I thought to myself, 50 seems so fucking far away. Like, I'll ne- I don't think I'll ever get there. I think I'll, I'll get not bored of this but you know I'll run out of steam and rah 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 here we are episode 50 um one of the guest you know if you listen to this you know that you know the person I'm talking to his name is Trent Crawford um one of my like he's just been ever since like he's been a very very inspirational friend well he's very he's been very very inspirational um but he's also, you know, one of my closest friends. Um, he was in my bridal party. He was the first boss I ever had when I moved to the Central Coast. I met my wife at his, Nicole, at the guitar shop I worked at. She came in. So 
um, my son and his daughter hang out all the time when they go to daycare together and we played in bands together and you know there's we you know if if the, you know if the world was a different place he might be my my heterosexual my heterosexual life partner like Jay and Silent Bob but we pro both probably we're both more like Silent Bob but we're not as silent but anyhow I'm digesting the podcast is also brought to you by Gringo Bandito you can get it if you're in America go to amazon.com throw in Gringo Bandito you can find it there go to gringobandito.com um you the store's changing hands like not changing hands but the store's going through a slight renovation at the moment so if you go in the next week or so after hearing this podcast and you're in the US it, a lot of stuff it says it's out of stock but it'll be back soon it's just you know a back end changing thing if you're in Australia chances are that's where you are listening to this um, you can go to Blast Off Imports, B-L-A-S-T-O-F-F-I-M-P-O-R-T-S dot com and you can buy all your hot sauce needs there. Uh, four flavours, they're all fucking fantastic. Or you can actually get it on eBay at the moment, so that's um that's fun. Anyhow, I'm talking too much. There's a huge episode ahead. Um, go to podbelly.com slash shop, use the discount code Kevin the pig, get yourself a free sticker. Look, you know, stay safe, do the damn thing. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slightly go off on one at the moment. Um, Nicole and I were talking just recently because in our, on our notice board that we have, um, that's pretty prominent actually in our house, as odd as that might sound. Um, we have a picture of Ricky Taylor who passed away 18 months ago. I'm not sure if, if you know, if you knew Ricky, well. Yeah, a lot of people knew Ricky. He was he was loved by all. Um, who he uh, decided that you know life was a bit too much for him, and he decided to kind of end it, which is unfortunately all too common um, in this day and age. So basically, you know, it, it the topic always comes up with like, are you okay today, or a whole bunch of particular days. But it's unfortunate that people don't ask like you know talk about it all the time and not that everybody wants to talk about it all the time but you know what i'm getting at is if if something's up and you've made it this far like give me a call you can find me on the socials you can find me on the social media um just hit me up or call somebody or alternatively even if you're okay ask somebody like check in with somebody um just because somebody might be the happiest person you know that that means nothing like you know everybody's got their problems and everybody can be really good at hiding them um so you know for for me for yourself just message somebody today and just check in on them that you haven't spoken to in a while um just check in on them make sure everything's cool um and if everything's not talk to them listen to them you don't have to provide solutions you know sometimes people find the solutions on on their own they just need someone to talk to to kind of filter out all the bullshit so they can find the solution so um yeah um yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that so thank you for listening to me ramble um Trent David Crawford episode 50 thank you if you want to donate get at me like I can't be bothered telling you how to do it I don't you know whatever have a good one stay stay safe keep your head up 
Yeah. Cool. Before I go on, um, one quick little thing. Uh, I've got a new jam from a band called Idle Threat, who I've played on this before. They've got a seven inch called Seven Inch Year Plan. I think that's how it's kind of pronounced. Uh, seven inch coming out soon, digital download available now. And it also comes with a free air guitar. Um, you can find it at idlethreat.bandcamp.com. I think they're doing a limited press of tapes, uh, 50 of them. So let's do it. This song's called Seven Year Plan. Cheers. My Age Podcast, episode 50, with me today, look, one of my longest, well, you know, yeah, one of my longest, closest friends, let's put it out there, let's, you know, without getting too emo, um, we've played in many bands together, he's been my boss at, at some stage in, in, in my life, um, he, yeah, he's, there's uh, he, uh, no point in going on about how special he is right now, because I'm sure you'll hear me gushing about it. Throughout the episode, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Trent David Crawford Esquire. Yeah. What is going hey, on? Oh, mate, you know, just hanging out here at uh, Jopper Street Studios. Jopper Street Studios. Joel Attenborough. Full full disclosure. Yep. Um, first podcast I've done in a long time because they've lifted the COVID. They've re- they've lifted the COVID restrictions. Yes. So face there's, to face, baby. Yeah. There's what. There's at least a metre between us. Uh, yeah. About? Yeah. Still a bit more, maybe, yeah. I'm pretty confident. You know, I'm pretty confident I'm clean. Same here. Yeah, we're good. Where it counts. Yeah. <laughs> See? Okay. So, you know, let's pretend you've heard an episode. I'm not sure if you have, but let's pretend yep. you've heard an episode. Because a lot of my close friends haven't. Nicole hasn't. Still hasn't. Really? After 49 episodes. Your wife has never has listened, listened to, to an episode. Her and Aunt refuse to listen to episodes Why? because they think it's funny. Oh, really? Okay. Like the, like the way I won't watch J-E-R-K-S. Star Wars. J-E-R-K-S. Yeah. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, okay. That's what it is. So, Fair enough. Yeah, this might be the one that turns them. So I can talk much crap about them too. 
they're not going to hear it. They're not going. They might hear through the grapevine. Yeah, but right. you know, we'll see who the narcs okay. are. Yeah, okay. So, you know, you know how this goes. Um, you've done some research. I can see a bit of paper taped to the desk that we're yes. sitting in front of. I would like to have done more, but you know, no That's time. Right. Kids. Yep. Life. I feel you. You know. I feel you. Let's talk about and look. I know a lot of these answers, so it might come across as weird me asking you the questions. Yeah, but let's do it for the fans. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, tell us about your parents. Tell us about kind of their musical influence they had on their own lives, and kind of eventually let's get into how that spilled onto you. Yep. Okay. So their own lives. So basically. Well, so, so before you go on, where yep. do they like? That they obviously lived on the coast when you were born. No, no. Okay, let's go back then. Okay, so mum and dad um, met in Parramatta. So living in um, Parramatta, dad grew up in Parramatta, as did mum. And basically, uh, dad as a child was um, just him and mum, or him and his mum. Yep. Um, his dad was never around and they were very, very poor from, um, well, they just were. All reports. From all reports. Yeah. So dad was very proactive early on. He'd, um, newspaper runs, he'd, um, he'd get on the local golf course and collect balls and sell them, all that sort of, you know, yeah. all that sort of thing. Entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But music was never a thing for him until about 18 He's about eighteen, so he's okay. So the story goes, he was working um, on the railroads, and in the lunch break, all the boys are um, sitting around telling stories, and um, some of the boys were trying to start a band, but they needed a guitar player. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Dad thought that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Why I'll, not me? I'll do it. <laughs> so Dad put up his hand, and um, from that moment. He was, that was his, yeah, his venture into being a musician, which wow. ended up, if I fast forward, he's still a professional musician today. Yeah. He was born in 1945. Um, and, you know, has played, well, at, you know, in the 60s and 70s, their band would play five nights a week, sometimes two gigs a night, was just normal. All across Sydney. Yeah. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, got himself a guitar, the money that he bought, taught himself um, the four chords that you need. <laughs> G, E minor, <laughs> C yeah, and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. And um, away they went. Yeah, yeah, which I love that story. Um, that's fucking great. So that, yeah, so that's it. So um, so b- before you go on, yeah, yeah, did he have any kind of interest in music to then say, oh, I want to play guitar? Or it was just like, no. Nah. Wow. No, nah, it was just like, that seems like a good idea. Let's do it. With no, with no context, no, no, like, okay. No, nothing. Just then, no. Um, the only thing that he said that he had a interest in as a young lad was, well, motocross, but it was called scrambles back then. Okay. And that's where my, you know. Love of it. Love of it. Come from, and, yeah. the, you know, me and have a very close bond with that. Grew up racing bikes, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no, music wasn't a thing for him as a kid. It was a later, you know, adult Wild. thing. But then, but the thing was, it became <clears> a, it was his job. So like. He'd come home, um, I'd always, I always remember him going to gigs, coming home from gigs, but he'd never play guitar at home okay. back, back then. It's a totally different story now. Yeah. Back when I was a kid. So, and they'd, they'd play music in the house, but it was kind of like, imagine, I don't know, if your dad was a plumber and he came home and wanted to Fix do plumbing sink. stuff, yeah. you know, 
just hanging out playing with pipes. It just it was like that. He was like, nah, that's what I do to make you know make a living. So they like he bought his uh, the block of land at Wombrel where I yeah, grew yeah. up, and the house was all paid for playing music. Wow, which is completely wild because you know I make my hundred percent of my living is playing music. Yeah, or related around music. Um. And there's no way I could do that. Yeah. You know, just purely from just purely from gigging. Fuck. You know? Madness. So, like, was he was he a stay-at-home dad or were the gigs during the days as well? Like No, no, not a stay-at-home dad. So so mum would stay home. Yeah, yeah. Stay at home mum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now dad would go off and do the gigs. So Like, he, but he, during the day. Like what was oh, your dad playing? Sorry, so no, he did home daytime. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like so, yeah. you'd get well, up. He'd be there. You'd come home from school. He'd be there. No, no, no. Okay. No. Nah. So in the early days, it was like that. So when I was born, yep. nineteen seventy six, they moved. That's when they bought the house up here on yep. the Central okay. Coast. So prior to that, it was all Sydney, Parramatta. Yep. Moved up here, and around about the same. Oh, mm. I don't know how old I was, but he bought the shop at um, East Gosford. East Gosford. So East Gosford Music. Where the deals are hot and the so, staff yeah. are hotter. So he worked there for a while, for a few years or whatever, and then he bought it. It was a piano shop and then he transformed into what, you know, in the in the 80s it was the shop, you know. Yeah. It was like the mecca of uh, guitar shops on the coast, yeah. you know. Um, so I remember, I guess primary school, primary school time, I'd remember going to the shop after school. And hanging out in the shop. So he eventually did both. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. so he'd have the shop through the day and then he'd go... He'd still do the Thursday gig. They played every Thursday at um, Everglades at Woi Woi. Yep. And then they'd do a Saturday night show as well at the Everglades. So, And all the band gear was just set up. He'd just walk in, just take his guitar in. It was all... It was a re- like He was there for 30 years, residency. In-house gear or in-house it was his gear, gear that he left It was there? his gear... Okay. Just all left there. Yeah, right. Wow. Madness. Um, and then, yeah, whatever other gigs were happening. Sweet loading. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, so obviously I was, yeah, heavily influenced by dad. Yeah. Um, and what about my ma? Was she into music at all? Nah, no, nah, nah. Never uh, Well, yeah, nah, she'd listen to music, but nah, it wasn't really, not a thing. She's not, like, she doesn't play an instrument. Never really. I can't remember her singing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, she definitely enjoys listening to music these days, but no, not the dad was the the musician. Yeah, see. So was he? Like you said, he played for thirty years at um, Everglades and yep. had you know had regular gigs around the spot. Was it like what kind of stuff was he doing? So that it was all what I remember. So I remember going to the gigs at Everglades. When I was a young tacker, yeah, um, and it was all cabaret stuff. So okay, and he reads like he, he's a reader, reads that, charts and stuff. Yeah, so okay. he played with um, Dave McDeath's dad, McDeath, Dave McDeath's <laughs> dad a lot. Who was the drummer from something with Numbers and good friends, blah blah. Yep. You know each other through that. Through being cool as well. Don't through being that. cool, yes, yeah. <laughs> great band. Um, and and he used to blow me out because I'd be, I'd be backstage with him and like um, the artist would turn up maybe I don't know half an hour before the show. Like the, the main event, like the singer. So to be a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. we'd come up from wherever they came up. Yeah. Um, and they'd come through with their, they had their charts. So all the music was yep. you know, written out. And um, uh, a lot of the time it'd be a female singer and they'd be like, okay, boys, here's the charts. Have a look. And dad and the band would sort of look through them. 
And they'd go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, just watch out for that bit, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd stick them up on the music stand and one, two, three, four, away they go. Fuck. Yeah, it was wild. Like now to think back, to think about that now, I'm just like, because I don't read music. It's a lost art. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. So no prac. No, nah, no prac. Yeah. No rehearsals. I mean, no rehearsals like nah. as a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No rehearsals. They just, Fuck. everything was read. Yeah, yeah. And cues. The singer would just be like, all right, here's Winder Up. Bam. Yep. Fucking hell. Yeah. Wildness. Yep. Um, never originals? Like, never. did he ever do, like, nah, never twinkled he, like, dipped his toes Only in? in the last maybe 10 years he's written some songs. Wow. Yeah. But not, never. It was all, like, it was the job. He sort of come from it more that angle. Okay. More, like he never yeah, more, more um, functional than yeah. creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he never ever let on that it was a drag or he didn't, you know, like it. Uh, maybe a couple of times he has, but no, I think, um, yeah, he just Like more recently he has. More recently, yeah. the, the gigging life. Um, but yeah, it was just his way to, you know, support the family and make, yeah. Yeah, make it happen. Fucking, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Wild. So as for music, yeah, I remember um, growing up, like 50s, 60s rock and rollers, and that's what he still plays to this day. Like yep. He's in a band at the moment and they're called Bebopalula. Good. And they play 50s, 60s rock and roll around, you know, St. Mary's and play these places where all these people come to dance. It's still got that culture. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they yeah, come yeah. up like, there's like 100 people on the dance floor, they just dance the whole night. They love it. Um, uh, sorry, without sounding, without sounding weird, is it younger crew or is it oh, people who's no, no. vintage? Yeah, yeah, they're all older okay. crew. Yeah, yeah. And I think the country music scene's like this too. Like, there's the the audience is all let's say they're seventy plus, but there's nothing under that. So yeah, there right. will be a you know what's going to happen in twenty years. Yeah, they all die off. May not be is there. that gonna? Yeah, yeah, or like, is anyone going to play that music? Wow, you know. Um, so growing up, yeah, like a lot of 50s, 60s rock and roll, um, the Eagles, uh, Roy Elverson, yep. um, Traveling Wilburys, Tom Petty, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. I remember hearing that a lot. Uh, but the one, the one, whenever I think of Dad, the Lay one, on one, one, one that stands out is um, a band called The Shadows. Yes, okay. Hank Classic Harvin. surf. Yeah. Sound. Yeah. 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 Instrumental. Yeah. They, you know, they did some singing, but yeah, instrumental stuff. Um, Dad, I have not seen him play a gig where he doesn't play the song <laughs> I'm going to choose for this okay. segment. Yeah. Um, and even when we're just hanging out at home, I'll, you know, even if I just end up just chatting with mum and he goes out and plays his guitar, Shadows. He's just That's all about it. That's so good. Still, yeah. Still to this That's day. Awesome. So he must be, he, fuck, he must have played that song, you know. Well, I, I couldn't even do the math in my head. Yeah. You know. Never gets old. Never gets tired of it. times. No. That's fucking great. Yeah. So what's it called? The song is called Apache.
for a like as we talked about as we like, we were talking about as we listened to it for a um for a surf rock band that was very wild wild west like it had that yeah yeah pardon me I'm eating a clinker clinker um, treats a treat um yeah it is it's very cowboy yeah very. Very cowboy. And I have that a weird a feeling vibe. that, like, this is a complete tangent, and I don't know if I'll keep it in here, but that song has a really, really big, or eventually had a big influence on early hip hop. Really? Yeah. How, yeah. There's How's a, that? They took that. They took that main. Oh, okay. And it added a breakbeat to it. Yep. And then everybody stole the. Everybody kind of ripped off the breakbeat, and it spawned. Early New York hip hop. There you go. Yeah, fucking bizarre. Yeah. Well, ours is so uh, Shinfo. There you That's go. What we call it. Yeah. Shinfo. <laughs> Through um thinking about this, these questions, I YouTubed. Um, they did a concert recently, and it was so bizarre to see a band with no singer, or that the instrumental set they do. Yeah, in yeah. The concert playing to like an arena of whatever it was, twenty thousand people. Yeah. I don't know. That seems bizarre to me. Like, who else does that? Is there any instrumental bands that do that? Not Are like, that, well, you know, there's no. Yeah, not really. Yeah, like, it's like Hank's the the front man kind of thing, but he doesn't act like a. Well, yes, but yeah, he does a little bit, but yeah. It's like okay, these people are just loving it and just instrumental. Just listen to melodies. You know, the melodies are pretty. Yeah, pretty timeless. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially in yeah. that, like the yeah, the two main melodies in that were, yeah, feel like everybody stole them eventually. Yep. Yeah. So sick. So moving forward, growing up yep. a little bit, kind of what was the ne- What was the thing that kind of made you realize that music was more than just? I mean, you probably started off on an interesting foot because your dad was <laughs> a professional musician, so music was always there from the get go. In like you're seeing it more than just like. Anybody can. In reality, any if your dad can do it, then realistically, it's it's another job, and anybody can kind of do it. But what was the thing that made you go like, kind of prick your ears up to music and kind of disassociating it from your dad and thinking, oh, there's this other world out there of like people who are doing it as well, but like playing, like <coughs> touring and writing hit songs and getting played on the radio. Because I take it your dad wasn't nothing. Your dad was doing was ever going to get played on the radio. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. no. Um, shit. So, so I think, so dad tried to teach me guitar when I was maybe, I'm going to say I'm like nine. I'm going to say nine. Yeah. And I just wasn't interested. Um, he really tried. He, and he, I'll tell the story. He forced me to learn piano. Yeah. And I used, I used to hate it, but he'd, I'd have to come up in the morning. He'd make me do it. Um, I don't know how I can't get my son to do it, <laughs> but I somehow, he, you know, um, he made me do it and I, every morning I get up and play piano for at least half an hour, um, for years, years. Okay. and I'm so grateful for that because yeah. that was a huge grounding, um, for basic knowledge and blah, blah, blah. But it was never like the piano teacher I had who played in dad's band, um, would teach me scales and, and, and boring stuff, but I'd want to learn. I remember I wanted to learn Bon Jovi. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like yeah like, as you would, yeah. Stuff like that. But he wouldn't, he didn't want to teach it to me. Yeah. You know, he just wanted to Old do what school. he did. Yeah, yeah. He was not, you know, and fair enough. It's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all good. Learnt, yeah. So it wasn't fun for me because I, you know, a big part of how I make my living is I teach 
music. I teach kids how to play guitar. Yep. Pardon me. And um, a big part of it, I reckon, is you've got to teach them stuff they can relate to. Yeah. Even songs they want to learn or songs they at least they know. Yeah. You know, makes a huge difference. Um, so playing piano through, you know, primary school, it was probably late primary school. I through the shop, through dad's shop. Yep. So there was no friends really that was influenced me musically. It was the shop. The shop was, you know, a huge, like just there was people coming through all kinds of, you yeah. know, tastes and likes of music or whatever. But there was a guitar teacher there by the name of Finbar O'Hanlon. Finbar. And anyone from the coast, you know, who's my age, I'm 43, that, around that, you know, vintage or older would know Finbar. And um, a lot of the uh, first music I fell in love with was from him. Yeah, okay. And believe it or not, it was like glam rock bands. So I'm talking Rat, um, Skid Row, Warrant, all that stuff. The bands bon that Jovi were monstrous was in there. at the time, yeah. Yeah, 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 it was huge. yeah. Um, but it really talked to me like, um, like Skid Row, for example, I can put on a, um, Skid Row song, yeah. like You've Gone Wild or whatever, and still it'll fucking get my, pump me out, get my blood going. Sick. Okay. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, this is, it still talks to me to this day. Um, not that I've listened to it. Yeah. yeah. Really. But I went and seen them, um, at Coogee whenever it was years ago. Okay. Classic moment where someone threw a bottle at him. And he's just known for it. He's oh, like, so this is Sebastian Bach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. That it was just a whole nine yards. It was, <laughs> that was fucking awesome. He's, he's so good. He's so good. Um, so that, getting into that then, once I got into that, I started thinking, oh, okay, the guitar's cool. Yeah, right, okay. Okay, maybe I can have another crack at this guitar thing. And that's when Finbar started teaching me some guitar. Okay. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I'd go in there and basically I'd say, I want to learn, you know, I'm in love by rat. And yeah. he'd, he'd sit there and he'd work it out on the spot and he'd go, this is how it goes. And he used his uh, vibe was he'd have a tape recorder, like a little thing. Yep. He'd record the lesson and he'd speak into the lesson, how it goes, like into the tape. And then yeah. I'd go home and learn it. And So each week, each week you brought your tape along? Yeah. Brought your tape along. That's so you'd cool. have a big box of tapes. Nothing written out? Nah. Oh, occasionally, but it was all tape. Okay. Tape, it was his Wow, thing. that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It worked great. Um, yeah. You got a reference point. Yeah. Yeah. You know if you're doing it right or And like, as a teacher, it's great because I do that with these online lessons. It's great to be able to have that. Like I, I'll give them a little video. Yep. What they got to do, there's no excuse. Yeah, that's true. The kid yeah, can't yeah. go. Yeah. Ah, I can't remember. Lost yeah, the paper, yeah. mate. <laughs> I can it. see it in the Skype chat, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? There it is. Yeah, yeah. So you were, you were heavily into motorbikes, well, yeah. motocross and that kind of thing as at an early age. That's kind of where your passion was. Yeah. So I think I I can't. Remember. I would have started racing about nine, yep. nine years old. So pretty much every single weekend we'd be going wherever Cessnock, okay. Lake Macquarie, you know, Mount Kembla, all around New South Wales, um, racing bikes on a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was it. It was bikes, bikes, bikes. One Michael Smith once told me, yeah, that you're as good a guitar as you were on a motorbike. Would you, um, in your prime at riding motorbikes, would you, would you say it's a, that's a tall story, or like were you that like without being too, you know, be as modest or as not modest as you want, but like were you were you real like were you good? Like, did you have something or I think it no, was just like was no. it just like you were the best of your mates? It's kind of like so we I used to race with. Chad Reed and yep. Craig Anderson and that. 
And on like a club day when Craig was there, yeah, um, I'd be the fastest local guy at the track, and Craig would come and play. Like Craig's pro, yeah, yeah. So he'd come and um, just play with me, cat and mouse with you. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think I'm doing good. And then all of a sudden he'd just take off. So no, I didn't. I didn't have what okay, it took right. to be A grade, but. I was a good B grader. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, I've always thing. yeah, I've always wondered about that. Yeah. Yeah. But probably from Smith's point of view, he was, you know, like a back of the pack C grader. <laughs> so I was probably blazing fast to him. But you know, but then Chad and that were blazing fast to me. Oh fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, How you yeah. going, Smith? Smithy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. But the motocross and the music is a huge part that that uh was a big light bulb moment. Yep. Yeah, yep. I think we get to that we'll get a bit to, later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what yeah, cool. Okay. Were there many other The other I was gonna say the yeah, other thing that um influenced me without me really knowing it at the time was my sister. So my sister's five years older than me. Okay. So she'd have she I remember she had like this fucking awesome double decker red boom box. box. Yep. Yeah. yeah yep. And like, remember that song? Um, it always sticks in my head for some reason. I wear my sunglasses at night so I can, so I can. I've never heard it. Like it's all that pop top forty yeah, pop yeah. stuff. She used to love it. Fucking MC Hammer and okay, you know Duran yeah. Duran, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Um, because I yeah, I love some good pop music. Yeah. So yeah. that was I didn't. I was listening to it secondhand, yeah, but it was still getting into me, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, somehow still planting seeds, yeah, yeah. yeah so that, that was in there somewhere. So was Finbar a um, was he like you know back in the eighties, the Central Coast would I mean fuck people still think of it now as this way, but like the Central Coast was like pretty like yeah obviously people lived here and did their thing here, but like a lot of people viewed it as a holiday destination, you know, yeah, yeah. Beach Shacky Town or whatever that kind of thing was Finbar an anomaly or was there many like was there a lot oh, nah, of dudes? He was like he was the anomaly. like he 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 like what's the word? What's that saying? Talk the talk, walk the walk. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He not only could play like a motherfucker, yeah, like but he looked like he looked like he was he should have been at the you know the Rainbow Sunset or, Strip. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked looked apart. But were there many other dudes or was like no. or like yeah that was just he just I can't think of any. Other one, except when I would go with him. Occasionally, he'd let me come and um, hang out at their rehearsals at uh, what's it called, Damien Gerard's. I used to rehearse. They used to rehearse in Sydney. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I went to one of their shows at a club in Parramatta. Um, Collector? Nah. Uh, no, I'll know it if you say it. Uh, That's the only one I can think of. Cobra Club, maybe it was. Yeah. I don't know. Someone might know listening. Yeah. Um, and then they were everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but on the yeah. coast, he was, you know, he just happened to live on the coast and yeah. but be in that scene. Crazy. Yeah. What do you got for me musically? For this segment? Yeah. So I remember being remember at that age, um, we were we were starting to be able to venture outside of the house. Mum and dad would let us get a train down to Sydney. Okay. And we'd go to Utopia Records. Good. Yep. And I remember buying um a VHS cassette and I thought, fuck, this looks cool. Um, and I must have played it, you know, a thousand times to the point where it fucking wore out. Yeah. It was uh, Motley Crue's Uncensored. Okay. So I'm going to pick Shout at the Devil by Mr. Motley Crue's. <laughs> Shout 
So was that? I've I've never seen it before. Was it like? The videos, or was it like the Pantera home? Like home it was like movies? a Pantera home movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like May Pop Tires, that yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> it was their home movie. So I, I'd be. I was thinking about this earlier. I'd be interested to go back and see if it's appropriate viewing because there was probably some. Well, there obviously would have been debauchery going yeah. on. Um, I don't think Utopia but, were really kind of checking IDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. But I was thinking more mum and dad let me watch it, you know. Yeah, so I'm saying like you probably shouldn't have been watching it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. they were just like, hey, you got the cash. Yeah. yeah take there was it, some titty on it, but yeah. it was, you know. Um, but yeah, it is what it was. So live and antics. It was more, there was sort of skits. Okay. Um, interviews with each of the guys um, and Mick Mars. Had, yeah. Little kind of, I guess you'd call them skits. Yeah, they were definitely playing up to the camera. They pretend, you know, they didn't like Mick or he was drunk or whatever, and they go look for him in the studio, couldn't find him, and all this sort of stuff. There you go. But yeah, I didn't see. I did not see that one coming. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, it was such a like, it was really hard to pick the five albums because there's plenty that of bands that should be in this list, but um, but that video. And that band, and more so that scene, was such a big part of my uh, first musical experience. You know, yeah. bands that I first got into and fucking just loved, yeah. and couldn't get enough of. Um, I thought I have to, I have to use them. You know, I have to use that song or that band. Did you see the video and go, "Fuck yeah, a Motley Crue video," or did you see the video and go, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, no, nah, Motley Crue. All right, okay, so name. you knew what you were fighting, but like. Like Utopia was always that for me. I never knew that existed. Yeah. But I knew the band. I was like, fucking, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take my money. Yeah, please. <laughs> what else have you got? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and and part of that whole scene as well, my very, very first gig I ever went to, Dad took me to see Bon Jovi. I'm going to say I was nine years old again. I was probably nine for a long time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not great with the um, when the shit actually happened. Yeah. But, yeah, first gig I've ever seen was um, Bon Jovi at the Entertainment Centre. Yep. Um, never forget it. See it clear as a bell in my mind. It was fucking awesome. Did your da- did, was your dad into it? or he nah, was, hated No. It. Well, I, th- I think he hated it. Um, he, ne- like, he never, ever once, with any of the music I listened to throughout my life, um, Make me feel like it was, you know, not worthy or shit or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Never, never, never. He's um he's always been very encouraging as his mum. Um but yeah, you know. It could tell you could tell it was um a bit loud for him. So it was your request, like would oh, yeah. love to go see Bon Jovi. He's like, All right, fuck I'll it, take let's you. get tickets. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Good on him. Cool. Good yeah. on him. That's yeah. awesome. See <clears throat> So getting a bit older. Yeah. Um. You said your sister's kind of influencing you with her weird and wonderful pop stuff. Yeah. Um. And I kind of like you know this is one of those times where I can kind of probably guess where it's gonna go, but you mentioned that kind of motocross and music kind of came crashing together. Is that kind of is that where the next musical movement begins with you? Or no? Okay. There There's you go. A whole other. There Sorry, right. I'm eating again. Joel bought me a bag of clinkers. That was a payment. And I just cannot resist. Okay, so no, there's not. There's a whole other phase that happens. So I guess this is, I don't know what, uh, what age am I here? Like, so call it like not 89, 90. After school, yeah. Um, and so I'm listening to all this glam rock. Like I'm loving all these bands. Yep. Um, and I remember, I remember everyone at school. 
school. Must have been late in school. Everyone was right into um, Metallica, Slayer. Right. That okay. sort of thing. But for, I was just like, oh, nah, man. Fucking winger. Warrant. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so lame. But I was right into Dream Theater and, and shit like that as well. Yeah. At the time. Um, as well as like Racer X and all these weird like cacophony and, and guitar bands that yep. Jim Burrard got me into. Yeah. Yep. And then for, I can't remember what, I wasn't nine, I was older, but we went on a family <laughs> holiday. We were at Nelson's Bay. Yep. Like a, we had this little caravan. And for Christmas, mum and dad got me and Justice for All See? on tape. Okay. And I remember that um, that weekend, or however long we were there for, just playing that non-stop, A-side, B-side, just on loop, you know. Black and dizzy, yeah. <laughs> just, ah. Uh. And it, that was a, a real, like, moment of, um, you know, there's albums throughout your life where it was just like, this is a fucking game changer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, Warrant Who? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, the, this yeah. is where it's at. <laughs> Rat what? So yeah. I was a bit of a late bloomer with it because a lot of my schoolmates were all over it, but it just didn't click for me for whatever reason yeah. until this moment. So that sort of then, that was the gateway into where this next okay. thing all happens. So Metallica, Justice for All, and then the logical thing happens. You go into Megadeth, yep. Slayer, Anthrax, blah, blah, blah. And that's about the time I met Mick Smith. There you go. So Mick Smith's the drummer of One Dollar Short, yep. the band I play in. Um, and so Mick used to come into Dad's shop, guitar shop, while I was working. So I worked yeah, in the shop part-time. Part-time. Um, well, I would have been full-time by then. Oh, right. After okay. school. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. So I went straight to work at Dad's shop yeah. after I left school. Um, and Mick was fucking, you know, looked like Skeletor, had this long hair, he was like pale white and just full metal, like he looked the part. And um, it was so like, nothing's yeah. changed 30 <laughs> years changed. later. Yeah. And um, he used to come in and he was too cool for school, you know, and, you know, real, yeah, real, real metalhead, you know, that shit that goes along with metalheads yeah. or some metalheads. And um, anyway... Eventually we got to got to talking and whatever. And I think he might have say so I used to sit in the corner, I'd be playing like Holy Wars riffs and you know, <laughs> yeah. all that sort of stuff on the guitar. I should have been working, but I was probably just playing guitar. Um and we got uh yeah, got to chatting and then through that found a whole heap of other bands like I'd get uh, Sepultura, yep, Carcass, and that I just felt I went deep, deep dived into um I guess death metal you'd call it. Yeah, okay. So then the first band I ever played in that was like a real band, we gigged, played um, Phoenician, not Phoenician Club, the Lewisham Hotel. Okay. Yeah. That, yep. Yeah. Gigs like that, like actual proper gigs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, was with a band called Sacrament. So we were a death metal band. We were all original music. Um, we used to rehearse fucking heaps and try to be, <laughs> you know, we were, thought we were, I didn't think we were pro, but we were really having a crack. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was the, you know, um, and mixed band Dead Intent. Who were awesome. They were like legit. Like if they had went to Europe, you know, they'd probably be fucking massive. Wow. But they were awesome. They were so, so good. And mixed band Dead Intent was the first band I ever knew. They had their own rehearsal space. Yeah, right. So we're all pretty young still. Like, yeah. I don't even know, 20 maybe. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'd go to their studios, you know, and we'd be on the old Hong Kongs <laughs> and they'd just be like, Writing music, playing music, and that was sick. That was so good. And Mick was just crazy awesome, like um, metal drummer. Yeah, two kick, yeah, two kick, full on big Tama double kick kit, and 
It's all over it. Um, yeah, so then we are doing all these gigs. So that's where me and Mick, our friendship sort of formed. Yep. And we were, um, yeah, that's it. We were metalheads then. We'd only wear metal shirts. Wouldn't talk, you know, it was metal or nothing. It's like <laughs> metal up your ass. Yeah, totally. And, and it just so happened that you guys were both into motocross as well. Because I always assumed you met each other through motocross and then your friendship spawned. No. Wow. So it was the band. Um, it was music first. Yep. The, the, and I think I'd have to confirm this with Mick, but I think we both, I think he knew that I rode or, you know, because I'd stopped riding by this time. So okay. I was, yeah, whatever I was, it was just about um, smoking bongs and playing heavy metal at this time. Yep. That was a short, I didn't smoke weed for long, but was heavy into that and yeah. just playing metal, you <laughs> yeah. know, that was, that was the life. And bikes weren't a thing then. It was there on the back burner. Um, but through that, so Mick had come, Mick came in the shop one day and he's like, um, brought in a brochure of like a, it was a trail bike. It was like a RMZ 450 or something at the time. It was lame as, <laughs> and he's like, he's going, I'm going to buy this. I was like, that's lame. Don't buy that. Get a motocross bike. Cause I've still got my YZ 125. It was a 91 model. Yeah. So it was around that sort of era, you know, it would have been a few years old at the time. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll go riding. So like bang, and then he next. I think it was the next day. He turns up out the front of the shop, and he had an RM two hundred and fifty on the back of the. Um, I think it was a ninety four RM two hundred and fifty, which I don't know how it didn't kill him, but <laughs> he had some awesome stacks on that thing. Um, he turned up with that, and I was like, awesome. And then that's where the bikes entered into right, it. Right, here you go. So, <coughs> which um, which then kind of leads into the next phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel I feel like that there was. A, pretty strong with me like i had a, a however many years it was on glam metal yep it was just that was my diet yeah glam metal then that went into the metal yep you yeah, know yep. your metallica pantera all that then deep into the death metal carcass and all that sort of stuff yeah remember going to see cannibal corpse at the phoenician club and yeah it was all about the death metal and then the motor motocross came into it and that's when it sort of morphed into that the next uh the next phase. So we got a. Have we got a metal song? We have got a metal song. Okay. Um. Oh, that's right. We have got a metal song. Yep. And I thought, oh, there's so many options. It's so hard to pick a song. Yeah. But I'm picking this one because this was the song that stood out to me, um, and I still love, and still can text message or voice message you and Mick realize with the fucking lyrics of this song. <laughs> and it's off that injustice for all record. Yep. Um, Dyer's Eve.
sick. Fuck yeah. Dear mother, dear father. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what Burnt a belter. Yeah. What a fucking belter. So, okay, it's when I first, not to jump too far, not that we're going to be jumping too far ahead anyhow, but when I first met you and and $1 short, late 90s. Yep. Um, the Like, you know, one of the the tales was, you know, Trent owns a guitar shop, da-da-da-da. Woodsy works at HMV, Erina, and has and it's the maddest shop in the world. Yep. It's the maddest HMV in the world. It's nothing like anything else. But like when you were getting into metal, was HMV Erina a thing or was it all from Utopia? Like was it or was nah, there a local there was, record store? Well, there was a little shop in Gosford in the mall, and I just I've been doing a clean out because we've been in lockdown. Yep. And I found a heap of old CDs and they and just brought back flashbacks. There was a little shop in Gosford in the mall and I was going to ask Dave Banning, he'd know who it was. I can't remember what it was called, but that's where I would get like um, my Gorefest CDs and, okay. you know, shit that was hard to get. Um, so I got a lot of stuff from in there. Um, I honestly can't remember buying metal from HMV. I okay. think it was pre that. Um, a lot of it obviously was Utopia. But um, there was a local spot on the coast that was doing it. There like was. You, it wasn't like... Cool, I'll do my monthly pilgrimage to Utopia and that's when I'll bring back 17 CDs. Like, nah, you had somewhere I, local to kind of dip into. I really can't. Like, I remember Utopia definitely more with the glam, that era. Okay. Um, and still for the metal stuff, but it was by that time, the local stops would still, you know, you'd be able to go in and buy Metallica or yep, Megadeth okay. or whatever, that sort of thing. But like your gore fest and your carcass and that was a bit harder to get at the time. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I can't remember. I, HMV, I more associate with Fat Records yeah, and okay. that punk. I can still remember right at the back of the shop, there was a thing. And, you know, I've got, we can get into that when we get to that part. Yep. Um, but yeah, I honestly can't remember. I th- I'm going to say that shopping Gosford, Utopia, and probably there's probably something I can't remember. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, see. So you're, you're playing in a metal band. Mick Smith is also playing in a metal band. Yep. I know where the next phase is, but I don't know how you both got there. Yeah, yeah. And what the transition was. And it's always, I've always found it weird to go from the music that you listen to and then morphed into the music that you listen to next. Like I get, I get you going from Bon Jovi to Rat. Yep. From Rat to, well, you know, Rat and Motley Crue to Metallica. I completely get that. Yeah, yeah. Metallica into Carcass. Get that. Yeah. Carcass into Epifat, 90s Epifat stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just can't get my head around. Yeah, yeah well, you will. You will. So, yeah, lay yeah, it on yeah. me. Lay so, it on me. So, we're getting more and more into bikes. Yep. And we um, we start racing again, like, locally. Yep. And that. Um, so, we turn, we're, we're turning up for these race meetings in my, I'm pretty sure I had a Ford... A Conavan at the time. Yep. Um, and we'd hit it on the freeway. Just like the thing would just be pinned at 140. <laughs> and, just, and we'd just have carcass and fucking bolt thrower. Like bolt thrower for victory used to just get flogged. And we just, <laughs> I had this awesome like fucking stereo, this Alpine head deck, and deck, this yeah. massive like Sermon Vegas subwoofer thing, like with two 12 speakers. It was fucking epic. So you can just imagine us fucking Mick still had long hair at the time and I had fucking hair and anyway, so we're just cranking this death metal, turning up to these fucking um, race meetings and doing our thing and yep. and start meeting some other some other crew like Waffer and 
I remember Cookie was there, Johnny Wall, and Salty, and all those guys were still friends with in the motocross world. Yep. Um, who weren't into death metal. Um, they weren't, I don't think they were really into music at all. But anyway, so we started hanging out with these guys and we'd be just riding whenever we could. Yep. We'd go to a race meeting at Cessnock and at the end of the race meeting, we'd go and ride at either Stockton Dunes or we'd go to Hillsborough Quarry and okay. all these awesome places. So from In that, a non-competitive way, just like going nah, to ride. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like they'd all own. try and keep up with me, but I wasn't being competitive. <laughs> you just but, fucking left them in the dirt. <laughs> but um, we... Um, then from that, so basically what started to happen then, that whole motocross sort of culture, we were just all about that. We were just yep. loving that. And then what happened was these motocross videos started coming out. Right. And the very, very first one, so they weren't a thing at all. Yep. Oh, they might've been like, there was a, what was that really old one on any Sunday, like from the seventies or whatever. Okay. I used to watch it as a kid, but there was no, like we know now, yep. Krusty Demons and Motor Triple X and all that sort of stuff. And one night, Waffa, um, we're all good mates by this stage. He's called us and said, um, I fucking just bought this movie called Krusty Demons of Dirt. It looks bullshit. You should come up and watch it. So me and Mick are like, hell yeah, we'll come up. So we drive up to, he was living at Warner's Bay yep. um, on a Thursday night or something. So all of us boys sit down and, we're, and this Krusty Demons of Dirt movie comes on. And once again, it was one of those moments where you're just like, holy shit. Yeah, right. This is a fucking game changer. Like, this is insane. Pre-internet, so you had no idea this was happening. Hey, this not is the first time you're seeing it. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. holy shit. Like, so he just bought it on this? the strength of the the cover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, who's the Seth Inslow guy? Holy yeah. shit, look what he's doing. You know, that sort of thing. And then I never forget the moment it all happened for me was um, there's a segment on there um, with Mike Mexica. I hope I get this right. Um, does um, a, a scene with strung out song Ashes. Right. So Ashes kicks in and it's like the, the guitar part. And yep. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's cool. Yeah. And then Strung Out it had a bit of a metal yep. undertone to it. Yeah. But it was high energy. Um, Massive guitar. I was going to say it was fun, but it was like, yeah, it was high yeah. energy. It was still, it wasn't like a leap. It wasn't too far from metal. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it did, because it was associated with the motocross yeah. or the bikes. Just added another dimension. Added another dimension yeah. to it. But from that that song, that moment, I was like, fuck yes. yes. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm in balls deep. So, and then that led us into, I remember we first sort of, we were heavily into like 59 Times of Pain and Good Riddance. Some of the, I guess, harder yeah, yep. edge of the punk, punk bands. Yep. And then, then the FUD gates just opened. Yeah. No effects. I think it was Heavy Petting Zoo at the time. Yeah, okay. And we're like, what is this? This is <laughs> fucking awesome. So we kind of came into it a bit late, I guess. And yeah. then went backwards and sideways and everywhere. And everywhere. And yeah. yeah. But it was it was the that video, Crusty Demons of Dirt.
so was it was it a case of like this is the new thing and the old like and and metal is now kind of like we're cutting our hair and yeah we're just like we're we're buying dickies and and chain wallets and that kind of thing like was it like yeah. pretty much overnight I, can't, like, I know, can't remember relatively quickly relatively because then we because we were skating at the time we were snowboarding yep and it was just a natural progression like yep. it just felt we just felt like at home it yeah. just felt like oh these are our people yeah like we we feel like we belong here and this is this is us yeah see and we love the music um and we could play it yeah you know because we um we had all the metal chops yeah and we were like oh fuck yeah let's fucking start a punk band so we used to jam and we'd play like at these motocross parties just me and Mick with no singing <laughs> we just play covers of like face to face and fucking all these songs that are on the metal videos yeah but just without a singer just the two of us that's, that's fucking wild. That's where it started. That's yeah, yeah. wild. So yeah. your did your band? Why did the band? Why did your uh, sacrament? Sacrament, yeah. And dead intent. Why did they kind of end? Um, sacrament. Why did it end? I th- let me get and go into the archives. I think one of the guys, Rob, the other guitarist, moved away. Okay, moved to like somewhere. And at the top, like that, well, that, but also I was moving away, you know, from that sound, from wanting to play that music. Yeah. Um, and it just all sort of happened. Okay. There wasn't like a, yeah, I don't remember someone saying, fuck you, you're out of the band or yeah, okay. whatever. I definitely remember Rob moving away. He might have got into the Navy or something, something happened like that. Um, and it was a sort of band where, it wasn't going to be an option to get someone else in. Yeah, okay. You know, one of those. Yeah. They're all good close mates and yeah. yeah, it was like, oh, no. We had a good run and... So, you know. you, do you start playing with Mick? Start playing with Mick. Was, was there that jamming, yeah. Was there ever any... You know, you said you're jamming and doing like like punk rock covers sans vocals. Yeah. Was there ever an intent to do the same thing that you'd done with the metal, metal style music and like do an originals band and get a singer and have a crack at it or... Not at that time. Okay. I think we knew that we could. Yeah. And we wanted, and I think we both, we both would have um, loved to have done it. Well, we did do it, I guess. How did that happen? Like, so we were doing the covers and then, no, we did want to do something because that's right. We got in a a mate to start playing bass. Okay. Who was um, Scotty, should know his surname. We were chatting at the Body Jar show at um, Any Leagues. Um, he was playing bass and our band was called 976 Moto. There you go. That's the intro thing off the Moto Triple X video. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were writing songs and they're somewhere on a DAT. There's a DAT tape kicking around and these songs. I'd love to get them one day. What would it sound like? I think, like um, like oh, somewhere maybe between Good Riddance and like Jughead Revenge and okay. that somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast and... A bit edgy, I guess, but um, we could never f- we could never find a singer. So what was happening was um, we'd rehearse at West Gossie where we yep. rehearse, yep. and so me, Mick, and this bass player Scotty would be rehearsing in this room, and then one dollar short, in its very first you know incarnation, was yeah, re- yeah. rehearsing in the one next door, and I can't remember how I really can't remember how the story goes, but I think. Well, I know that the, I know the part that goes that Scotty asked Mick to join 
one dollar short. Yeah, right. And the story goes, Mick said, "Look, I'll come, but you have to have I'm a package Trent, deal. Yeah, I'm a package deal. <laughs> you have to have T Dog as well, because we yeah, we were absolute best mates, freaking you know, like brothers. Yeah, basically. Um, and and we wanted a singer, and it just was like, yeah, yeah. this is it. Let's do it. Were they and, doing it as a four piece? Like I what think happened Scott, to Scotty and... was on guitar. So for the original one dollar short. So Scotty was on guitar, Tim Flaherty Fla- on yeah, guitar. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Tim West was on bass. And the Stew, who I can't think of his surname, was on um drums. Alright, so you, so was, yeah, Woodsy's yeah. on guitar, Flaz on guitar, Woodsy Woodsy puts his guitar down. Yeah, which he didn't want to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But then he heard me. No, <laughs> he couldn't keep up. No, no, again. No. no, he didn't want to. Um, but I think it worked out okay. Yeah, you know, in the um, end. Yeah. But saying that, I listening back because you know, been doing this ODS stream and getting, we were going to be doing some shows in July. Yep. And COVID stopped or whatever. Listening to stuff, I really enjoy the stuff he played guitar on, which I'm receiving transmission was mainly me and him. Okay. Um. So, um, what am I saying? Maybe uh, we should have had him on guitar, but no, nah, he's good as a frontman. You know, he's yeah. good. You know, he's yeah. uh, he's a bit of a, a character. Yeah, is that the word? A guitar may have held him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. But yeah. All right. So let's talk about as much or as little as you want about ODS. Early days, later days, was punk a big thing on the Central Coast? Like, obviously, there was two bands because there was uh, nine, five, seven, nine. Oh, no. What was your band? We were 976 Moto, but Sorry. me and Mick played in a punk band called DYL for a short stint. DYL. Which stood for Don't You Laugh. And there was a song in that called 524. 524, 524, 524 was that, used to be a, a um, brothel on uh, Terrible Drive there at Erina, just up from the Maccas. Yeah. Really? Five, the 524. Well, okay. Yeah, and the uh, the singer wrote a song about it. But anyway. As you do. As you do. As you do. But, so was so, was punk like, was punk taking over the Central Coast or was it still like a slow adopter? I think it was, um, I'm going to say it was in, it was yeah. happening. Um, I think early Pennywise, Pennywise was happening, no effects, um, but it was still early days. Yeah. It hadn't exploded. Um, but Scotty was a source of knowledge. Yeah. Like he okay. was, you'd go to HMV and he'd be like, what's ha- what's new? What's going on? And he'd be all over it. And he'd be like, this band, check this out, do this, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, and I remember going into HMV, um, when it used to be up near the food court there, like yep. back back in the day. Yeah, yep. And I, I never forget going in there and like if it had a fat record logo on it yep. at a time, there was a time when it changed. Yeah. But anything in the early days, if it had fat records yep. and I didn't know what it was, I just bought it. Pay no more than 20 bucks. I just knew it was going to be great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so all that, you know, all the – like nose for name, all of, the, all of yeah. it, you know, yeah. was um, purchased from HMV at Erina for me. Yeah. Um, well, there might, but there must have been some kind of, you know, there must have been some kind of culture here or draw here because, as we discussed on your on your ODS live stream a couple of weeks ago, 
you had oh, Pro Bowl stay at your house. Oh yeah. So yeah. they must have played. You know, they played a show on the coast. Yeah. There must have been warranted. I well, mean, they, they was, weren't they... headlining, but yeah, like, yeah. there must have warranted enough. People. Ah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so bad with date because I remember Gosford at uh, Joe's Garage had this whole slew of yeah. shows came from. I remember Agent Orange play, but like 10-foot pole. Yeah. And I remember like thinking, holy shit, like 10-foot pole Rev was a fucking huge album for me. I fucking loved it. Yeah. And I, you know, even though it was a different dude singing at the time when they yeah. came through, but it was like, um, this is amazing. Like, And there was like, like Sprung Monkey and yep. there was a whole bunch of bands that put two of there. So... I don't know who was organising those shows or, you yeah. know, why they were happening here, but fucking good on you, whoever it was yeah. that was making it happen. <laughs> because, like, know. even it's very rare, like, bands nowadays will do Sydney, Newcastle. Yeah. Every once in a while they'll stop on the coast. Yep. But it's fucking few and far between. Yep. Yeah. So it's wild that yeah. they could have facilitated that. Yeah, 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 for sure. I can't um, – I haven't got an answer for you there, but – yeah. Um, it did seem like most of the bands stopped here. Yeah. Um, back in that, you know, like when Pride Bowl stayed at my house, I um, I wish I knew what year that was. We could probably work it out. But Benny K will be messaging me right now. Yeah. He's picking up his phone. Yeah. And he's sending me a message going, "It was this year." Actually, oh, he'll you know, know. Yeah, absolutely, he'll know. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was '97. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was '97. Yep. Um, yeah. Because I think when we were talking about that, I was thinking back like. Who, like if my son, like he's 13 now, but like at that age, if he just emailed, it's obviously different now, but if yeah. he's emailed some band across the fucking other side of the world and said, hey, come and stay at my place when you're over here, I'd be like, nah, mate. <laughs> Who the fuck man. are these guys? <laughs> but, you know, mum and dad were like, yeah, awesome, bring them in. And mum cooked them up a feed. and They turned out to be awesome guys. And I guess it's probably more, you know, rare than it's not then that they're going to be, you know. Arseholes. Yeah. yeah. Or going to be a drama. Yeah. I guess it could happen, but... <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> but yeah, man. Pride Bowl. What a trip. What a fucking trip. Yeah, what yeah. a trip. Um, but bands like Pride Bowl, for example, I would, don't think I would have ever heard if it wasn't for HMV and Scotty at Erina. Yeah. You know, a lot of that stuff um, was... Yeah, it was all through Scotty. He'd be yeah. like, check this band out. You'll fucking... You'll love this. Just buy it. And he'd go, yeah, man. Come on. <laughs> Let's do it. You know? Yeah. See. So, so One Dollar Short <laughs> finally expands their members. Was there a like, hey, we need to record and this is gonna be big? Or like what like were you was it like let's get out of get away from the coast and start playing in Sydney? Or what was the was, nah. yeah, what was the vibe? So I'll say like in the early days. So off the bat, I'll say that I feel like the band was just fucking lucky. Like okay. everything. I don't know how it happened, but everything just seemed to keep just moving on an upward trajectory for yeah. us. Um, I think I think luck's a big, a huge part of it. Yep. Obviously, you got to be a good band and have songs. Have and the songs, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but I personally think that luck is a huge part of it. Um, no matter what band you are. Yep. So, so that's I'll start with that. But we. We took it serious. Like we were really, really into it. Like I think me and Mick having our metal background. Yeah. Uh, when we rehearsed, we fucking rehearsed. Mm. So you know because you played a band with um, me and Dave Macbeth. Yeah. And I always <laughs> laugh because we'll get to rehearsal with that band, Free Being Cool. And we played with um, Lagwagon. If you don't know, you're listening to this. We played with Lagwagon 
just before the lockdown. Literally. Yeah. I feel like we, all, the last we played gig. the last show in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. And if we were going to get COVID, it would yeah, have been that there. That was then. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, you know, pretty a big show. You know, you want to be tight. Big venue. You want to be good. Big venue. Yeah. You know, lots of people. Yep. You want to you know, do your best. And um, we were going to have like two or three rehearsals before it. Yeah. Whatever it was, which... You know, would have been laughed at if we were ODS. One but, a week. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks leading but, up to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be there for three hours. We'll probably play the set four times. And then like that bridge of that song, we'll work on. We'll, we'll get that. To, yeah, yep. we'll get that. And, you know, we'll, we'll do all this stuff. Um, Yeah, we turn up. And because we're all dads yep. and we're a bit tired and whatever, yep. we end up talking for like 90 minutes. Yes. Which I'm, I'm totally fine with all this. Well, it's a good but chance it's just to catch contrast. up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. a fucking perfect chance. But then we'll go to play the songs and we'll play each song once. And <laughs> I'll tell you, McBeth will just be like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Felt nah. Good. No, I don't need to play that again. Yeah. No. Oh, what do you mean? Played it once. Nah, fuck it. Oh, <laughs> well, fuck, look at this. It's 8.30. <laughs> I'm fucking hurry up, boys. So, oh, so I just always laugh about that because with ODS, um, and I still have that, I guess, um, I don't know, work ethic's the right word for it, but um, anything I do myself, um, I'll always just want to do it 110%. Yeah. You know, so... With ODS, we would rehearse and, um, yeah, we'd really fucking rehearse. Like, we'd um, nut things out. We'd just make sure everything was fucking tight as fuck. And and there was like a – it was a bit of an unspoken thing. Like, if someone made a mistake, it's like, mate, yeah, what are you fucking doing? Pull them socks up. It wasn't, you know, we weren't a punk band, so to speak, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like, um, but, like, that's what we got off on was playing fucking really tight and yeah. sounding good. Like it was always really important to sound good, have good tones and yep. all good gear, all that sort of stuff. Um, there was never a moment of like, we're going to be huge. Like, let's do this. Yeah. There was just like, we fucking love doing like playing and writing songs. So why would we not do this as good as we possibly as can? As you can, yeah. Do, uh, you know, do the absolute best we could. Because we were watching like, like bands like Body Jar, um, I guess they were setting the standard. Yeah. We're like, okay, we, that's, you know, yeah. you got to be that good. That's, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a prerequisite. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we thought, okay, well, let's record a demo. So we recorded a demo in my bedroom at my yeah. old house, mum and dad's house. Yeah, right. Um, called Live in My Bedroom and had that song 7 Eleven on it. Girl song. I think Silver Spoons might have even been on there. Yeah. I think Silver Spoons was an early one. I'd love to get a copy of it, but I don't know. I haven't got one. Yeah, Mick right. Might. Um, we put that out, and then it just—that's where it sort of started. And for some reason, people just took to it, yeah, and liked it. And then um, we started getting asked to play parties, and um, but yeah. So then that cassette got out into the world, and then we sent that cassette to everyone. We sent it to Fat Records, yeah, and Fat Records sent us back something. We were fucking so excited. We're I like, holy imagine. shit, they yeah, sent yeah. back. It was like, um, we're not signing any bands at the time, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but out of that, um, Rapido contacted us. Yeah, right. Um, okay. You know, and uh, that's where From the Start came from. Yep. So, and we were obviously gigging and they helped set with that. And I remember going to Melbourne for the first time, which was a huge deal. Playing you know, with Mind Snare. Like, playing with Mind Snare. Fuck me. Like... At the t- lucky, I was so naive at the time. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, like, I, I never forget, like, we'd be standing there setting up, and I remember some tough guy going, as if you fucking play after mine, there. 
I was like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, <laughs> with your... Because for me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but to me, mine snare weren't anything like crazy. Yeah, okay. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you've come from carcasses. Yeah, and, I've yeah, come from all that yeah. stuff. I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, yeah. Um, so we... Um, yeah, so we're doing all that and that goes good. And then from the start comes out. I never remember playing. I remember... Oh, Iron Duke always sticks in my mind because they... um. It was like the staple venue at yeah. you know, in Sydney. Yeah. And I remember um one time turning up and this um band was playing and this fucking bass player was just ripping this <laughs> mad like scar fucking riff. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? Oh. And um this girl called Olivia goes, That's fucking ballpark. Joel Attenborough. That was the introduction. So yeah. full disclosure, um, <laughs> I remember so two things I remember about early ODS. Yep. I remember getting the I remember getting from the start. Yeah. And I was playing in ballpark. Yeah. And I got it the day before. I got it for my 18th birthday off a friend named Scott Christie. He, yeah, he got it from um, a shop in Hurstville, Soundgarden in Hurstville. He gave it to me for my 18th birthday. We're having like a pool party because then we're going to go to Guttermouth that night. Even though I was underage still. Like was it in the, the pool day. that you beat um Thorping in? Yes. Was it? Yeah, fucking hey, it was. Awesome. <laughs> Ian Thorpe. Eat it. Eat it. Um and I remember putting it on and going, This is fucked. Not because the music was fucked, because I saw the writing on the wall <laughs> and I just saw like these guys have ushered in a new level of like a new standard. Yeah. Like okay. you now had to be that good. The songs had to be that good, and I was like, "This is this is the beginning of the end." It took like two more years for us to pull the pin or whatever, and we played hundreds of shows together. But yeah, remember that, and I remember seeing you for the first time at some fucking weird. Was it the Iron Duke? Some all age show, seventeen bands probably. Yeah, yeah. But I remember sitting there watching you with a a baby blue yeah. Atari shirt. Yeah. And the Atari sticker on your um on your Mesa Boogie like foot switch. Yeah. And then I was like, how the fuck did this guy get an Atari? Like they hadn't toured. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how the fuck did this guy get an Atari shirt? Said it to someone. Yeah. And they kind of bump back and go, Oh, he 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 speaks to Chris Rowe all the time. Yeah. Chris Rowe sends him shirts and he sends Chris Rowe strings. Yeah. I was like, oh right. So uh, not only classic. are they the greatest band to come out of Sydney, like you know, for what they're doing. Yeah. They've already got a foot in with Chris Rowe and the Ataris who would like, if they weren't the biggest, they're about to be the biggest band at the time yeah, yeah. of the time. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, cool. Okay. That's, that's great. <laughs> then isn't it? Jeez. So what a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Like remember so, it like it was fucking yes. Remember both those moments. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, um, it wasn't like me to write to people yeah. or bands. But I remember that first. Um, no, it wasn't the first Atari's because that was um, anywhere but here. A bit. Um, what was the? Is the that, one with the map on it? No, nah, not that one because that was a bit sort of. Uh, uh, what would you call it? A bit more simple. Yeah. Three chord. Yeah, yeah. Bang them out songs. But the EP, my hotel year. And, oh, and it had yeah, yeah, yeah. it had yeah. the acoustic version of an. Or a, yeah, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. That was well, the first one they did on Fat. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. When I got that, I was just like, "This is the fucking business." Yeah. Um, it felt like a bit of a pivot, like okay. for what I was listening to or what I thought punk rock was at the time. Yeah. Got a bit more. I don't want to. I don't have emails the right word, but 
the songwriting got a bit more complex or a bit more in depth. Yeah, and it was probably a bit more relatable than hearing strung out. Sing- oh, not that strung out really have any kind of theme, but all like good riddance. Yeah, and hearing like political songs when you're sitting here going, I can't. I'm 20 years old or however old you are, and I can't relate to that. Yeah, or, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Yeah, you hear a guy writing about heartbreaking. You go, yeah. Feel that, yeah, 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 and for whatever reason, that yeah, that, that spoke to me. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna write to this dude and just, you know, tell him I fucking like his band and we're in Australia. And if you ever come out, you know, you need, you know, where to stay, you need some gear or help with anything, just let us know." And yeah, so he wrote back, um, and then we started this little pen pal thing, which we go back and I wish I still had the letters. Oh, they're all gone. Uh, well, no, yeah, they must yeah. be. I like I've got the um I've got one of the original um envelopes, you know, like okay. a post pack thing that he sent me and I've got that, but they they must they must be, I wouldn't have thrown them out. They got to be around. But um it was super cool. Yeah, so it was when I was at the shop and then um I just sent him strings. Yeah. I said I work in a guitar shop. Well, I own a guitar shop at that point, I think, or work whatever it was. I can't remember what Transitioning it was. Transitioning into yeah, yeah. And I so I just sent him some strings. I was like, here, you know, use blah blah blah. And he's right back, thanks, and here's the shirt and blah blah blah. And, and then obviously, you know, that developed and then when they came out we toured together yeah. and yada yada. But if I try to contact him now, no response. <laughs> Have you? He's doing a woods. Yeah, yeah, I've written I'll, I'll write to him. I write to him every maybe 12 months. So yeah. t- and he's been doing live streams. I was watching him on this morning. Okay. And I commented on it, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll have to write him again, but yeah. No, he just brushes me. <laughs> I was there for you, mate. I fucking took you from ashes to glory. To glory. Fuck in yeah. In the land down under. So yeah. it's, it's, this is always a weird part of the podcast because like for some people it's a few years. For some people it's 20 years kind of thing. Like you've done so much. And we can talk about ODS for fucking four hours. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you'll still forget stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, like, is there anything... Before we kind of move on to what you did post-ODS... Yeah. Is there any kind of... You know, is there anything that kind of you want to talk about? Like, something that was amazing that happened or something that you didn't kind of expect to happen or just any kind of stories from that ODS time period that were, like, that people wouldn't know about but it, or you thought it was cool or pivotal moments when you were like, this is actually... Like this is, you know, we are a legitimate band respected by peers and looked up to by, you know, that kind of thing. Like Yeah, I never felt that. Okay. Right. But um we um hindsight's a fucking a uh, hell of a thing. A hell of a thing, you know, yeah. like I know we talk about this and we with Mick too, like um Yeah, if we knew now if we knew then what I knew now, you know, like yeah. we just went along with the ride and, and I yeah, we were lucky things just Worked out great, you know. Yeah. I don't think there was people pushing, you know, for sure. But I think if I had my time over, we'd um we'd push a lot harder. Okay, and maybe trying to trying to go on international, you know, trying to get more overseas. So we that, were just happy doing what we were doing that here. That was one thing that always like you went to Japan, and I remember that, and I thought that was fucking great, like that yeah. you got to Japan. But like in a time when everyone would like that was you, the sound you were doing was fucking popular world over and you know you could in my mind you could have easily walked into it yeah you guys never went to the US no well it was never a thought um okay. like japan was handed to us everything that we did was handed to us like pretty much handed to us like yep. <clears throat> obviously we we're putting in the work in the back end yeah, yeah. making sure the band you know writing songs and all that 
But I never felt like um, oh, I can only speak from my own experience. Um, I know Mick Mick Smith. Obviously, he was he was pretty much the manager for a lot of it. Yeah. So he did a fuckload of work. Like he was yep. awesome. You know, a big part of the success of the band was him. Um, a big part of the success of the band was obviously Scotty. His um, just his fucking charisma or his yeah. character or whatever, and just his he go and talk to fans. For, he just loved it. Yeah. You know, it was part of yeah the deal that he loved about it all. Yeah. Which was a part of what help the band succeed or whatever. But I um I felt like I didn't, you know, yeah, if I had time out, I would have pushed really hard to um try and get into the States. Yeah. And try and just see how far it could go. Yeah. You know, rather than just sit back and go, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I guess I had the shop too, so I wasn't relying purely on the band. Yeah. I had the shop to think about. Yep. I was running the business full time. Which I wasn't there much, obviously, for however long it was—a yeah. couple of years or whatever. Years when yeah. you were you were running the shop for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's one thing I would do different. But as far as stories go, like like people probably are—I guess most people probably already know this—but which will tie into the next part of it. But the um the getting a postcard from Casey Chambers saying. Thank you so much for covering my song. It's the first time someone's covered one of my songs. Wow. She heard it on Triple M. Triple M, yeah. yeah and, was just, and I was, you know, for me, that was a yeah. fucking moment because Casey Chambers was like an absolute huge, like I was an absolute massive fan yep. and still am. Like she's one of my absolute all-time favourite artists, which a lot of my uh, musical friends don't get, but, you know, yeah. you like what you like, yep. you know. Um, and that... And I always was um, a little bit proud of that because I pushed really hard for the band to do that cover. Yeah. Do that cover, not pretty enough. And everyone laughed at it when I first brought it in. Yeah. But then we, um, once we jammed it, I had to push. Yeah. Let's do it. And we jammed it. And I think uh, once we were jamming it, they were like, oh, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And um, so we ended up recording it. Um, and it was on the, is this the part single, I think? But it okay. sort of had a little life of its own there for that moment. Yeah, it did. You know, for that moment. Yeah. So I was always very, uh, yeah, that always felt good okay. to do that. And then what happened after that was even more special. Yeah. Which we'll get into later, yeah. So ODS kind of, well, you released two albums, a couple of EPs, a couple of singles, and then obviously it kind of, it went away for, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and you get heavily into country yeah, it was always kind of there, but yeah, you, like again, you you said your favorite recording artist was Casey Chambers at the time. What? Why do you like? What? What was the shift to country? What was the appeal to that? So, what happened? One day, I'm just driving along, minding my own business, being a punk rock person. Yep. And the song "Not Pretty Enough" by Casey Chambers, her version of it, yeah, yeah. came on the radio. And her voice just fucking stopped me in my yeah, tracks. Right. It just hit me like a fucking ton of bricks, which I hadn't experienced before from from an artist like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And um, to the point where it was a bit creepy, I was a bit like, holy shit, like, this is fucking something else. What is happening here? Um, so I went and bought the record. Yep. And then do. from that opening riff, Barricades and Brick Walls. Yep. Pretty dirty Bam. sounding. Oh, it's yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> so Mark, good. Yeah, Mark yeah. Punch on guitar. Like, fucking epic. It's so epic. That album, start to finish, is just perfect. Yeah. And, like, I fucking love it. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So, from that, from her, like, her voice just 
yeah, just does it. Yeah, yep. just hits a spot for me. Um, songs are awesome. Um, playing, love, absolutely love it. And then on that album, um, like she does on pretty much every album, there's a bluegrass-ish yeah, okay, track. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that is what really hit me. So blue, blue yeah. Sorry, go go. Yeah. On. So yep. bluegrass music. Um, for those that don't know, well, I don't know how I'd explain it. Um, what's a popular bluegrass song? So think of banjos, upright bass, mandolins. You know. Well, what punk rock hillbilly does. Yeah. 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 So, but and for me, punk rock music and bluegrass music are very similar. Yeah. The energy. Yep. Um, the precision. Um, very melodic. Yep. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities there myself. So, and I love the, uh, what's the word? I guess the precision of all the playing. Yeah. But it's also, I don't know, for me, I can't only speak in my opinion, what I think, but I think the songwriting is just A class. Yep. Generally, with punk, with, you know, with all, with most bluegrass music. Um, the playing, obviously, there's lots of instrumental breaks. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, harmonies. And I just fell in love with bluegrass music and then went deep down into that rabbit hole. See. Um, yeah, like Larry Caudle and Tony Rice and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then picked up a mandolin. I was like, well, I love this music. Fuck, let's do this. Like, let's try something out. So I bought a mandolin. I didn't know what the fuck it was. I picked, <laughs> I picked it up and I um, tuned it properly, like, you know, yeah. as you're supposed to. Um I always remember that because a guy who I really respect, um, uh, when I bought the mandolin, he goes, hey, you're like a guitar, aren't you? Yeah, like, right. No, okay. what do you mean? I was like, no, I'm doing it, you know. Because it's a backwards bass, isn't it? In theory. Yeah, same as a fiddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GDAE. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, and then all I did was play mandolin. Yeah. Just yeah. nonstop, <laughs> just for years and years and years. Um, but the, the thing, and it's never happened um, yet is the problem with bluegrass music is there's no one that plays it. Yeah, okay. on the coast. Yeah, Central Coast, Surfy Town. You know what I mean? Yep. You can't. There are like, don't get me wrong. There are some people that play it, but it's yeah. not like you can. There's not a scene. like we can go and start a punk band or a yep. whatever band you want. But yeah, bluegrass band's hard to start. Um, hence me doing the punk rock hillbilly thing. Yep. Um, so I'm playing the mandolin. And then I um, stuck on to see Bill Chambers play, who is Casey's dad. Yep. And Bill and Casey live local on the coast. Yep. We So I'm going to see Bill Chambers play and yep. whatever. And then I turn up to a jam and Bill um, didn't know him at the time, but he's, we, we got chatting. Well, I kind of knew him through the shop. He'd been in the shop um, at times. Yep. And anyway, he's like, um, you know, he starts chatting to me, whatever. And I was like, oh, I've been playing the mandolin. He goes, oh, fuck, like, come and play some songs with us tonight. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, just jump up and join in. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? At the time, it was so foreign. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I did it. Um, and it was just the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, I was scared out of my brain. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um. But he thought it was good enough to go, he goes, come back again. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. And then, so if I skip forward a little bit, so this was at um, the Lakes Hotel at the entrance. It was just a random gig. Yep. But then, so then I started to play with him here and there and whatever. And Casey would be there. And, yep. you know, I didn't know her then. I'm like, holy shit. Like, fucking Casey Chambers. It's crazy. 
and she'd get up and sing songs and I'm there playing mandolin in the yep. background. I'm like, holy shit. So, um, and then anyway, start chatting with Casey and blah, blah, blah. And then Bill starts doing a thing at um, Erina at yep. uh, Quattro. Quattro. Yeah, Quattro. Uh, cafe there on a Thursday night. He just set up with one, like a condenser mic, one microphone, and it was him. And then the kind of was a house band. So he asked me to come and play. So I would end up being there every Thursday night for yeah. however long it went for, like 18 months or something. Yep. So over there, my mandolin, um, like a guy called Ben on bass generally, uh, it just sort of whoever was around would come and sit in on the band. And that's where I think I really learned how to play was, yeah, so he'd just start a song. And you just start playing along. Yeah. You just got to work it out. Um, and it was so good. So, so, so good for my playing. And so rewarding too. Like it's one thing to learn something and rehearse it, but it's another thing to just do it on yeah. the spot. Like literally having a conversation, but musically. Yeah. And when, when it fucking comes off, yeah, the payoff is huge. You're just like, <laughs> oh, this is the best. No, yeah, so, okay, you have you got a song that kind of exemplifies Trent David Crawford New new addition to the uh, the bluegrass world. Well, there is, but there's a whole heap to go yet. Okay, to get go there. for it. Yeah, <laughs> lay it on. Sorry me. if you're listening and bored. But um, so I'm doing these yeah doing these gigs at um, uh, Quattro with um. So there's no money. It's just you turn up and play. It yep. was fucking awesome. It was like some of the yeah fantastic fantastic years times. And over that time, I got to. Um, become friendly with Casey yep. and um, become, yeah, like mates. We, could, we were mates. So we'd hang out. We'd go and freaking drink beers and, you know, jam and, yep. you know. Um, and then, yeah, I get the phone call and she's like, oh, look, we've got these shows coming up, but our regular guitar player can't do it. Do you want to fill in? On guitar? Yeah. And I was like, well, let me just check my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, there was shows in, uh, yeah, Vic- Adelaide, um, uh, I can't remember, but there was a, a little run of shows, like maybe four or five shows yeah. on the guitar, like theatres. We did these theatre yep. shows. And I was just on cloud nine. I, I was can like, imagine. This, this yeah. is the best, you know, having a great time, great people. Like the band was awesome. It was the, basically Busby Marie was the band at the time. Um, and me on guitar and Casey obviously playing. And who else was on guitar? I can't remember. I was filling in for Bill. But what? anyway. Michael? Nah, he wasn't in it then. Okay. Or maybe Bill was playing. Anyway, I can't remember. But, it was, you know, yeah. awesome, awesome, awesome times. Yeah. And then from that, you know, the friendship yeah, just kept building. And then um, she went to, she played Blues Fest, um, whatever year it was. Yeah, 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 right. And she's like, you should come up, you know, like come and hang out and just, you know, bring your mandolin and whatever. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. So we go up and there was a bunch of us um, all sharing a hotel together. And yeah. we, it was the best. Like me yeah. and my mate Chris Morris um, were there and like we'd get up in the morning, go for a swim, go have some breakfast, head into Blues Fest, just walk into whatever tent and nine times out of ten you're just like, how good is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yep. awesome. Yeah. And then Casey plays and you get to get up and play mandolin with, a, you know, yep. in front of however many people. My sister took a photo and sent it to me. Oh, here. did she? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Awesome. So I'm like, just like this, I've made it. This is awesome. Yeah, like I can die. This is fucking kick ass. So um, that happens, and then she gets a call to tour with Steve Earle. Yeah, right. And um, one of the guys, I can't. Remember, it must have been Bill that couldn't do it, and she's like, "Can you do the shows?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> so um, there I am, fucking playing guitar, and um, 
you know, on tour with Steve Earle and Casey Chambers. And I remember going um, down. I remember, I remember Steve Earle mainly from that show Treme. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yep. So obviously I know his music, but um, and a fan. But that at the time Treme was huge. Yeah. And I remember being backstage at whatever that I think it's the Forum. I think it's called in Melbourne. Yep. I think it was the Forum. Awesome venue, like old big tall theatre kind of vibes. Yeah. And um, so it's just me and just Steve Earls down there. Like he just walks in. Yeah. Just me and him, and I'm like, hey. Like fuck, I don't have to talk to this guy. Like it was, I was intimidated. But anyway, he seen I had my mandolin. He goes, "Oh, what fucking mandolin's that?" And blah blah blah. And he's like, um, "He's got a Gilchrist. Like these mandolins are like worth like twenty grand, sort of thing." And wow, he's he goes, he's play this one, and I'm like playing his mandolin. Oh, holy shit! And he's showing me, you know, what he does on the mandolin. It was anyway. It's a bit of a just a trip. Yeah, I was like, who the fuck? When I was, you know, playing at the Iron Duke Hotel. Yep. Or even more so when I was doing this. They're not pretty enough cover. Yeah. Who would have ever thought... 10 years later. I'd know, you know, yeah. meet Casey's and then all this shit. So, yeah, it was just a, a total trip. Wild. So it's amazing to think that she's... um, I can call her a friend and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And now... So I'm getting to the end, people. So now... <laughs> so all that happens. And then we're just hanging out one day and she um calls and goes, what are you up to? And I said, oh, fucking not much. Just blah, blah, blah. And... um. She's like, um, oh, do you want to do you want to fucking have a crack at writing a song? And I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, I like I like writing songs. Yeah, let's do it. So I went around to her place and um, we were just hanging out, having a few drinks, and then um, she's basically just said, I want to write a song that's um, kind of like just think, um, Man of Constant Sorrow from that yeah, movie. Yep. Just you know, so my brother that, were out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So you know. Um, that that damn Kaminsky kind of vibe, that sort of thing. Not that the song ended up like it, yeah. but anyway, I started with this riff, and she's like, "Yeah, that's it, blah blah." And away she goes, and she starts writing lines, and I throw out a few ideas for lines. And I got one line in there, which I'm fucking stoked that it got in there. Um, and it's the line, "I'm down on my knees, but I ain't praying." Yes, it's a song about I yeah. Know that. <laughs> it's like a, it's sort of like I always imagine it like Deadwood vibes, like a song about a prostitute. Yep, you know, and she's just like. Fuck this life. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so we wrote a song. See? So just that. I'm yeah. just like, that's fucking awesome. Like, how good is this? Like, you know, just trying to keep my cool. But um, I think she I think she knows all of this. Like, if she was listening to this, I, it, it wouldn't I don't be a think she'd be, I don't think she'd be surprised I'm this big of a fan. Okay. Yeah. But I've never, like, I've told her that, you know, I've told her at all, but it was all very I knew, chill. And, I knew from... Very, very, very early on working in the shop <clears throat> because you had a Casey Chambers mug. Oh, yeah. Coffee mug. Yep. That was just always around. You never used it, but it was like your little, it was like your little awesome moment. Mem- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, fucking merchandise from her. Yeah. But it was always prominent. And she must have said to you, Hey, do you stock these capos? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, I'll put one aside for you. For fucking years, <laughs> there was a capo that had a EGM sticker on it that said that had the initials KC. Yeah, Casey Chambers. I don't know if she ever picked it up. I don't know if she bought it and you forgot to give it that one. But there was I always looked at it. It was always because it was where the light switch was. I was yeah, like, right. still hasn't come, but Classic. he's still holding it. Still holding it for her. <laughs> she's coming. Yeah, she's one coming. day she's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So I just went around to mum and dad's on the weekend and picked up my um, ODS guitars. Yeah, right. So I thought I'd 
just restring them and start using them on the stream. Yep. And I pulled out of the case, and I totally forgot, but there's a big Casey Chambers stickers the blue right one. across the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like classic, still yep. there. So, um, so yeah, so we write the song, and I'm like, awesome. That's fucking, I'm so stoked that I just got the chance to write a song with one of my all time fucking musical heroes. Yep. And then, um, anyway, time goes on, I don't know, a few months later or whatever it was. And, um, she, um, like I knew she was recording an album. She was writing for the album and that. Yeah. But I never, never thought that the song would make the album. I just thought it was just a, you know, she'd write whatever, 40 songs to yep. pick 10 or whatever it is. And she sends me a video from in the studio, um, a recording at Byron Bay with Nick Dadia and oh, yeah, Bernard yeah, yeah. Fanning. And, um, sends me a video of the band playing that song. Wow. I was like, what? Yes. This is wild. But still, I was like, okay, that's fucking awesome, but yeah. I'm not going to get my hopes up too much. You, you know not, how the, you know how recording goes and yeah. they don't all make the cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I was like, fuck, that is awesome. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it made the cut. Fuck yeah. So um, this song that I'm choosing is, uh, yeah, extremely special to me. And um, it's called Too Late to Save Me, written by myself and Casey Chambers.
Alrighty, so look, that's a fucking that's a banger langer. That's a fucking <laughs> banger. Um You're a fucking you're a man of many you know, many talents. And I fuck you know, you know, I said at the start of this, my love of you and my respect for you will kind of come gushing through and I hope it is and you know, that's what's happening right now. I'm I'm continually impressed that you've made music your you've kind of just you've done that thing where you just went I'm just going to make music my income. Yeah. I that always blows my mind because <clears throat> it's a <clears throat> you know, obviously your dad did it and that's amazing. Yeah. But it was a different time. Yeah. But you've kind of still worked out how to make that work in a time when live music isn't much of a thing anymore. You yeah. know, it's 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 very covers heavy. The dollars aren't there. Like, I'm sure what you get paid, like, you know, not to sound like I'm looking in your wallet, but like, I'm sure what you get paid these days for a gig is exactly the same as what you got, what bands would have got paid 20 years ago yeah, yeah. when the money was worth three times as much. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's continually, yeah, continually amazes me. So let, let's talk about where you are, where, where Trent David Crawford is in, in the 2020s. In the 20s. COVID aside, you know, yeah, yeah. COVID aside, but like, yeah. Let's pretend yep. that that didn't happen, or you know, before it affected everything. Yeah, yeah. What 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 did you have? What do you have? What have you got going on? Like family and it will, yeah. No, yep. Feel free not to talk about family if you don't want to. But yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. So, um, something just popped in my mind when you said that, and I all music for me from when I was you know before I knew what music was until until maybe. Oh, I'm going to say maybe five years ago. Let's say f- between five and eight years ago. Yep. Up until then was purely just joy and love and like just creating music and playing music because I totally loved it. Yep. That's all it ever was. And then, yeah, eight years ago, I don't know how long it's been, but roughly I never, ever, ever played a cover gig ever in my life. Yeah. It was all original music or playing for people. Who are original artists? Yep, you know, playing in their <clears throat> band or whatever. Yep. Um, and then because I always had the shop as a full time gig sort of thing, and then I thought um, that like the oh, there was a few factors going on, but one of them was that the internet was sort of at the time was really hitting it hard. Yeah, like I remember people coming to the guitar shop and go, "I can get that MXR pedal yeah. for twenty cents, and you've got it for four hundred bucks." E commerce was rampant. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I was at a point buying strings direct from the US cheaper than I can get them from the importer, the importer in yeah. Australia, you know, and it was just, didn't make sense, but it wasn't just that. I could have rode that out, I guess, but at, also I was doing it for a long time. I'd been doing that shop for however long it was. Yeah. I thought I needed to change and I just started teaching guitar and I was getting a real kick out of that um, more and more and more. Yep. And then I made the decision to close the shop. And moved to a, a different premises, a smaller premises, and just teach. Yep. So when I started just teaching, I was like, okay, I need to make a bit more money. And that's when I thought, okay, well, let's have a look at this covers gig world. Yeah, right. So that's where I started playing with a girl called Corrie Collins in a band called Roller Girl. Yep. And just doing, you know, like you'd, you'll be out on a Saturday and someone's playing in the corner at the RSL or wherever. Yep. So I got into that world. Yeah. And then... That ended up getting into maybe playing three times a week on average. Yeah. Something like that. So between teaching um, and gigging and then a little bit as well in the middle was my recording. I've always had a recording set up and I've got 
So we've built a house, not built a house, we bought a house, um, me and my partner, and we've got three kids, and we bought here maybe four years ago. Yep. And the idea was to buy somewhere where I could have a really nice studio so I could teach out of it, yeah. but also have a really nice recording. That's small, but I can record, you know, it's, I'm not going to say as good as anywhere, because, you know, yeah. when you start talking crazy yeah. vintage microphones and stuff. But the rooms are great. It's We built it properly, and... It's awesome to have. Yeah. So, but I must admit, it's getting to a point now where I have um, a bit, a little bit like, oh, fuck, I need to get back to playing music just purely for the love of it. Yeah. You know, like I still enjoy the, like honestly, I still enjoy the gigs and I see it as I'm just getting paid to hone my craft really. Yeah. Yep. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Um, a lot of musical, musical mates uh, are not into it. Yeah. They can't do it. and They find it soul crushing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, or that sort of thing. But And I've had gigs like that for sure. Yeah. But I just think every gig I'm getting a little bit better, Yeah, you know, and I'm getting paid to do it. Yep. Um, but then you get, you know, got the, you know, my, uh, Frankie's going to be four and Evie's going to be two and you start the being away every Saturday night, you know, or Sunday Arvo starts getting a bit much. Yeah. So there's that. But um, I think the point I was trying to make there was, um, getting back to playing music at the fun of it, which was like through being cool. Yeah. And to those gigs we did with uh, Body Jar and Lagwagon. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. There's like nothing better than yeah. just getting up and just building it out. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing that was crazy was I'm so used to playing for three hours. Yeah. So a covers gig, you'll do three 45-minute sets. Well, like one gig we did in Sydney, like you play for... Um, it felt like 15 minutes. I felt like we played three songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, there was no chance and, of banter. Yeah, yeah, and you just get going, and it's like, okay, we got one song to go. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I make it work. Um, you know, and we're always just getting by. But we, uh, it's I don't know. You can't really say it's working. It's kind of is, but yeah, you making know, an income. It's all I've ever known. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's fucking. I've always it's always impressed me. You've always just. Gone with it, you know. When yeah. when the shop kind of wasn't what it used to be, yeah, you still worked out how to do it. You didn't kind of pack it up and go, "Cool, I'm gonna." Be, and you know, not there's anything wrong with it, but like, I'm gonna be a fuck. I can't even like, I'm gonna be a plumber, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, or I'm gonna get a trade or whatever. It's like, no, no, still gonna do music, yeah, just do it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. still gonna make money from it, just make it a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Parents definitely influential in that. They've always been, um, especially dad in his later life. Yeah. Like he definitely, in earlier days, when I had the shop, he was all, every time I'd see him, he's saving money. Have you bought a house yet? And I fucking wish I bought a house when yeah. I was younger. If you're fucking young, buy a house. Yeah. Is my advice. Yeah. But um, I fucking wish I had it. But um, at the time, I just wanted to, yeah, wanted to live. I wanted to play music. And, the and no, yeah. absolutely no regrets. But it would be nice to own a house. Um, yeah. and um, But now his tune has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. You yeah. Know? He's like, whatever, just fucking enjoy it. That's Whatever, awesome. every day, just enjoy it. Do whatever it's making you happy. Make it work. Yeah. But do it. Yeah. Like, you know, do what you enjoy. Um, On your dad. Maybe everyone's not, I don't know, but lucky. I guess I feel, I've always felt lucky. Yeah, like in, like the band like did really well and had a good life. Like the, growing up with the bikes, you know, and 
good parents, good friends, all that yeah. stuff. Healthy kids. So hopefully it fucking keeps that keeps going. Yep. Touch wood. Yeah. But yeah. This has been fantastic. Yeah, buddy. I, I'm fucking, you. you know, I want to make number 50 special and I think this is as special as it gets. There you go. Again, thank you very much. I've had a fucking cracking time. Yeah, baby, please. Um, and yeah, I'm just stoked that number 50, here it is and here you are and here I am and we're in the same room together. It's been, I was thinking about it on my way here. It's like, I think it's been seven weeks. Yeah. Because it the show we played was March 13. There you go. Friday, March 13. It and was it's, Friday, crazy. Yeah. Friday 13th. Friday 13th. Yeah, I've had an absolute ball and I was actually really excited about doing it online because I've been spending so much fucking time yeah. getting my... Because <laughs> I'm teaching online. I've got... And I'm doing my live stream I don't know if uh, on the $1 short page if you've seen it if um, every Sunday night. But, oh, yeah, I've been going crazy. With, uh, like people who stream would know OBS and... Um, you know, Elgato capture cards and all this sort of stuff. So much time on it. So I was kind of keen to do it online because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck you, I've got this sick setup yep. and blah, blah, blah. But it's nothing better than doing it face no, to face. No. Yeah, it's yeah, way yeah. better. Yeah, like, um, yeah. it would have been a different beast. Yeah, definitely would have been. Doing it online. Beast. Like, obviously, you have to do it. But, um, yeah. if you can do it face to face, it's the way to do it. Have we got time for another story? All the time in the world. Well, I've right. got three three hours and 40 minutes left in the <laughs> SD cards. So yeah, I've got a couple. Okay. Yeah. So this is, I, I was going to talk about this. Um, so this goes back to the the well. This is like this is a mixture of the punk rock and the metal days. Yep. So when One Dollar Short was playing at, at um, let me just think about how I should uh, how I should what order I should do this in. Okay. Okay. So um, back in the day, One Dollar Short were playing at Channel V. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, yep. I used to have those live. I was there on set things. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. So I don't know if we played there more than once, but I remember. Well, you'll know if you're the here. If, I called, if up, this was the I same called up sick that day to go. Oh, to did hang, you? Yeah, yeah, called up sick at work Fucking to go hang out legend. with this. Yeah. <laughs> so we're there to set up, and there's another band that was going to be there for an interview. Yes, and that band had a lot of fans. Yes, who were there? They were eager. They were keen, specifically for them. Yeah, specifically <laughs> for them, and they um, yeah, they were there early. They were they were they were keen. Yes, but because that band was running late, they asked one dollar short to play. You know. Earlier. So we were supposed to play after. Oh, okay. I did not know this. Yeah, yeah. Right, so we were okay. supposed to play after. So we're like, oh, fuck. Okay. I guess we can do that. Yeah. I guess we got no say in it. Yep. So up we go and we're playing to um, these, these. there's hundreds of them, hundreds of them. <laughs> and they um, they all had black shirts on and they were black not. Black hair. They were not fucking, they were not nice. <laughs> they were not. Um, receptive. No, they, they weren't receptive. They were not warm <laughs> towards $1 short. There was. Words said that were um, not nice. Yep. Um, and anyway, so we did our thing. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't much fun, but we did it. And the um, so who was the band? Who was the other band? Slayer. It was Slayer of all bands. They were there. Do the thing, and then they came. Um, Kerry King and um, Tom Araya. Yep. Turns out Tom was really nice. Kerry, I don't know, might have been having a bad day, or why would he want to talk to us? I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so after that, we go out to the green room. Yep. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm there. Actually, no, this was. I must. I've got this last way around. Before we played, I was out in the green room, and I had my guitar. And who should be there but Rob Flynn from Machine Head? Yes. Now, Rob Machine Head was one of those albums in the metal days. Uh, with like back when um, I was in the rehearsal room with Mick, yep. Get Intent. 
So I was in Sacrament. He was in Dead Intent. At that in right in the fucking heat of battle of that whole time, Machine had dropped that album, Burn My Eyes. Yep. And that was an album that just turned everything. Yeah. It was like a massive pivot. It was like, holy fucking shit. This is like heavy as fuck, but it's groovy. It was melodic. It was like, well, fuck, this is awesome. So that was a huge, huge change. So we loved that band and loved that record ever since. So he's there and I'm like, holy shit, this is Rob Flynn. And um, he was the fucking sweetest dude. He was See. so awesome. And he, um, he's obviously into guitars. So I had my Bellman guitar and he goes, what yep. the fuck is that guitar, man? And um, we got talking about guitars and whatever. And he's like, what are you guys doing um, after you play? And we're like, oh, nothing. We got no gig tonight or whatever. He goes, fucking come over to the show. Yep. Like uh, Machine Head and um, Slayer. At, at the, the Horden. Horden. Yeah, at the yep. Horden. I was like, fuck, yeah. And at the time, I was thinking, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> yes, no chance this is going to happen. So um, we go over to the box office, and sure enough, there's fucking however many of us was there, five or six. It was uh, you guys and Mikey. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So six passes for um, backstage passes to go and see Megadeth. Oh, Megadeth. Machine Head and, and um, Slayer. Slayer. Yep. So there we are, side of stage, watching, um, yeah, Machine Head and Slayer, and it was a fucking trip. Yeah. It was a fucking trip. So this song by Machine Head. Yes. The opening track off of Burn My Eyes. Davidian.
Alrighty, what a fucking conversation. Trank David Crawford. Um, thank you for listening to this far if you made it this far. Uh, look, thank yeah, just podbelly podbelly.com, blastoffimports.com, gringobandito.com, my age podcast on the socials. Cool. Have a good one. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes
Beach in Malibu Everybody knows it's coming upon Take one last look at this sacred heart Before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes